The measure of God's love, the measure of His being for us, is that He gave His Son. He didn't spare His only Son. He loved me, delivered Himself up for me. And we saw last time that this puts us in the most secure, enviable place in the universe. We are in Christ. We're part of His body so that to touch us is to touch the most precious possession He has. When Saul was busy persecuting what he thought was just a religious sect, he was persecuting Christians, the body of Christ. And God spoke from heaven, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Oh, Christian, bask in it. God is for you. Who can be against you? Welcome to Downtown Bible Class with Pastor Scott Gilchrist. Today we continue on our study of the book of Romans. Pastor Scott brings part three of the message titled, God is for us. And we invite you to follow along with us now as we get started. Romans chapter eight. The people who know their God will display strength and take action. The longer I read Romans eight, the more I see it as a a chapter on God, all about him. And if we want to know God, We need to spend real time here and let this uh, chapter, the whole chapter, sink in and mull it around and enjoy it, bask in it, and then apply it in our lives. It's uh, more, think about it, this section particularly that we're in, it's like a a theology course. Uh, You want to know God, what he's like, who he is, what he's done. Read this, read this. Verse 28, and we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to become conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. And whom he predestined, these he also called. And whom he called, these he also justified. And whom he justified, these he also glorified. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who is against us? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how will he not also with him freely Give us all things. We want to uh, let that sink in. God is for us. God, the omnipotent, the all-wise, all-knowing, sovereign of the universe, who spoke the world into existence, who upholds all things by the word of his power, he is for us. God who causes all things, causes all things to work together for good to us, who are named, uh, by the way, you remember two ways. Those who love him, that's looking at it from our side. Do you love him? Do you love him today? I'm not saying do you believe in him. I say do you love him? Then bask in his blessings. 
You've been called according to his purpose, and his purpose was from all eternity, and we've seen it. And his purpose, he causes all things to work together for his glory and our good. He's going to conform us to the image of his son. He's going to make us like his son. And his son is going to be the firstborn among many brethren. I mean, his purpose is to surround his son with brethren. I mean, you stop and think about it when I say our good, his glory. I hope your mind thinks of all these truths, 28, 29, 30. I mean, what we've been looking at in these verses. God is for us. He didn't spare his own son. He did deliver him up for us all. In this is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. God is for us. God demonstrated his own love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. The measure of God's love, the measure of his being for us is that he gave his son. He didn't spare his only son. He loved me, delivered himself up for me. And we saw last time that this puts us in the most secure, enviable place in the universe. We are in Christ. We're part of his body so that to touch us is to touch the most precious possession he has. When Saul was busy persecuting what he thought was just a religious sect, he was persecuting Christians. He was touching. He was harming. He was trying to lay his hand on the body of Christ. And God spoke from heaven, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me. Oh, Christian, bask in it. God is for you. Who can be against you? He didn't spare his own son. I mean, he'll take care of us, huh? Look at verse 32 and just let it sink in. Think about it. He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how will he not also with him freely give us all Things. If he didn't spare his own son, if he didn't spare his only son, if he didn't draw the line there, well, I'll do so much for him. I'll do this, I'll do this, but I won't do that. Oh, yes, he did that. He gave his only begotten son. This is my beloved son in whom I am occupied. I am well pleased with him. This is him. And he gave him for us? If he didn't draw the line there, do you think he's, do you think somehow he's going to go to sleep on you? Forget your needs? Do you think he won't give you what you need? We had to, we had to get on our knees and say, I'm sorry, Lord, every time we grumble. Uh, we ought to confess the sin of failure to bask in his love regularly. You know what I mean? I don't mean an overt sin. I mean just the failure to just realize what he's done for us. I mean, I was trying to think of, you know, this is, this text has kind of overwhelmed me and I, I look at verse 31, 32, 30, 28. I think you got a whole, the whole message is here. And you could say that about verse 32, couldn't you? 
He didn't spare his own son. You want to know what God is like? You want to know who he is? He's the God who freely gave his son. He gave his son. He will freely give, we're told, us all things. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. Take God's word for it, Christian. And, you know, Jesus was used to say, in fact, uh, my son and I were looking at it last night. He'd say, well, if you won't take this for it, take this for it. You know, he says that quite often in the gospel. If you don't believe me, believe my works. If you don't believe my words, believe my miracles. And uh, take God's word for it. Take, if you won't take his word for it, take the blood-stained hill outside of Jerusalem. You ever think about it? This planet... Everybody's fond of calling it just a little rock now, and as we start to realize just how vast the universe is, this little rock, if you will, this little speck, this planet, has God's Son's blood stained on it. All the focus of our hearts should be on God the great giver who gave his only son. You know, David said, the young lions do hunger and suffer lack. But they who seek the Lord shall not be in want of any good thing. Do you think that God will somehow not give you what you need? Oh, enjoy this. I mean, look at the phrase. He freely gives He gave his son. Do you think he will not freely give? And the word freely give there comes from the root word grace. He gives. We didn't deserve his son. We don't deserve anything he gives us. And he will freely give us everything we need. No good thing will he withhold from those who walk upright. He gave his son to die for you. He gives his spirit to live in you. He gave his word and the amazing truths of this chapter alone are enough to stand on for all eternity. He's a God who gives. Oh, little children, don't be afraid, little flock. You remember Jesus when he said that, that verse, Luke 12, verse 32. Do not be afraid, little flock, Jesus said. For your father has chosen gladly to give you the kingdom, chosen gladly. That's the same word that's translated, my well-beloved son. He takes pleasure in his son. He takes pleasure in giving you his kingdom. Don't be afraid, little flock. Oh, stop and think on this and meditate on it regularly and enjoy it. And we need to stop and apply it. What is it that you uh, are tempted to think he's withholding from you? Look at verse 32. He didn't withhold his son. He didn't spare his son, but delivered him up for us all. How will he not also with him freely give us all things? Do you think God would invest his son in you and then just kind of walk at a certain point? Oh, no. He is for us. Well, how come I'm not married then? Somebody says. Why why hasn't he given me a spouse? 
Listen, God will withhold nothing from you that's for your good. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly, from his children. He'll give you a husband or a wife if it's the good thing. He causes all things to work together for good to those who love him. Faith takes God at his word. Faith glorifies God. Abraham, without wavering and unbelief, grew strong in faith, we're told in chapter 4. Remember, giving glory to God. You glorify God when you take him at his word. Unbelief? Unbelief says, I don't believe that. I can't see. Why doesn't he give me? And then you just fill in the blank. And unbelief grumbles, it complains, it pines away. And in effect, it slanders God's character. Somebody's married. They say, I don't have that problem. They're just wondering why God gave them the husband he gave them. <laughs> right? You know, you singles, <laughs> you might be surprised to know that Satan who whispers, how come he hasn't given you a spouse, in your ear, whispers, how come he gave you that one? In the married's ears. You know, and really, that's a microcosm, it really is, of life. And our problem, what we do is we, we either feel deprived, God hasn't given us this, or how come he gave us that? That's sin. That's one of the besetting sins of believers. And it's really failure to just take verse 32 and stand on it. It's failure to give glory to God. Maybe you're married, but you don't have kids. How come God hasn't given? No good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. The young lion, somebody who looks out on their own, does it their way. David looked at the lions. He said, you know, those creatures out there that look like they've got the whole world by the tail, king of the, king of the animal kingdom, you know, whatever, they, they, they'll come to the end of their rope. But those who seek the Lord will not want for any good thing. Do you believe God on that? And we need to take God at his word. He didn't spare his own son. Has he forgotten your circumstances? Oh, no. You're sick. You've been sick a long time. And you're tempted to say, seems like he's forgotten me. No good thing. Do you think he will somehow forget to give you good health? Well, you said it seems like it. Well, that's the key word. Seems like it. And don't misunderstand me here. I'm not saying, I'm not cheapening this to saying, well, you're not really sick. You just think you are. Oh, no, you're really sick. I'm not saying all you need is a PMA, positive mental attitude, or that's just psychosomatic or something like that. I'm not saying that at all. I'm saying this. God, the God who orchestrates all of history, the sovereign, eternal God who chose you out from before the foundations of the world and has already glorified you, verse 30 says, past tense, I mean, it's so certain he's going to accomplish what he's going to accomplish in your life. Do you think he has somehow forgotten to give you good health? No. No, he is giving you every good thing. No good thing does he withhold. That's what I'm saying. That's not what I'm saying. That's what Scripture says. He who did not spare his own son but delivered him up for us all, how will he not also with him freely give us? All good things.
that work together for our good and His glory. That's why I read the whole text, and I want us to keep it in mind in these things. God is all wise. God is good. God is never unable to do what He wants to do. He's in the heavens. He does what He pleases. He'll do what's best for you and for me. He loved us so much. For God so loved that He gave His only begotten Son. I think of that little phrase uh, that Paul wrote to the Philippians. He's writing from jail, prison, and he says, you know, even my imprisonment has turned out for the furtherance of the gospel. And then he says to the Philippians who were doing a little of their own suffering, he says, for to you it has been granted for Christ's sake, not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for his sake. For to you it has been freely given. It's the same term as he uses in Romans 8, granted. You know, you get a grant, or maybe you dream about getting a grant, you know, and it's just granted. It's just yours, freely given. For to you it has been granted for Christ's sake, not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for his sake. Now, the suffering we've already seen in Romans 8, it's not worth comparing with the glory that's coming our way, that's going to be revealed to us. No, no good thing does he withhold. But you say, why Why can't my good and his glory include good health? Or why can't it include married, being married? I mean, look at those who are happily married. Or why can't it include children? Why can't I have child, a child anyway, like Sarah anyway, after a long time, or Elizabeth, or Hannah? Why can't... Why can't it be that way for me? Why can't I say with with Hannah? Remember when Hannah praised the Lord? My heart exalts in the Lord. My horn is exalted in the Lord. My mouth speaks boldly against my enemies because I rejoice in thy salvation. Let me tell you something. Hannah was able to say that, and so can those who are barren say that. It's a focus not on yourself, but on God. Not on what he has given or hasn't given, but on his character, that he always gives what is right. No good thing does he withhold, Psalm 84, verse 11, from those who walk uprightly. How blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord. Take God's word for it. You know, faith is just that. And one day we will see how much glory comes to God by taking him at his word and how much discredit, dishonor, Slander, you fill the word in that we do toward God and His character when we grumble and when we complain and when we question His word. But you say, well, but why do I... He wouldn't give me this desire, would He? And then you fill the blank in. He wouldn't give me this desire and then fail to fulfill that desire, would He? I mean, would He, would he give me the desire to be married and then... I mean... He must going to be fulfilling that desire. Or would he give me that ache that I have to be in good health? Would he give me these desires and not fulfill them? Would he give me a desire for a better situation in life or a better body or better looks or whatever it is? You just, as I say, I don't know where you're at. All I know is that uh, we all tend to think this way. Would he somehow 
give us that desire but not fulfill it? He might. He might. Turn over to Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy. Chapter 8. I think it's natural to desire good health. I think it's natural to have lots of desires uh, that might go unfulfilled in this world. You see, God deals in supernatural, and He is glorified when we take Him at His word, when we honor Him by honoring His words. Deuteronomy 8, uh, you know, these things were written for our instruction. Everything that happened to Israel was written as an example for us upon whom the ends of the age has come. Age have come. Uh, Deuteronomy 8, let's just pick it up at verse 2. You should remember all the way which the Lord your God has led you in the wilderness these 40 years. They'd been out there 40 years by now. Moses is writing the second law, Deuteronomy, kind of the reiteration of things and preparing them for entry into the promised land. I want you to remember all the way the Lord your God has led you in the wilderness these 40 years that he might humble you, testing you, to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. And he humbled you and let you be hungry and fed you with manna which you did not know, nor did your fathers know. He fed you with manna after he let you, did you notice that? Be hungry. Remember, he humbled you and let you be hungry. Was that just kind of the mid-afternoon Stomach growl? I don't think so. I mean, that's about all we know about hunger. And we usually just deal with it, right? No, I read that the whole congregation of the sons of Israel said to Moses and Aaron, Would that we had died by the Lord's hand in the land of Egypt, when we sat by the pots of meat, when we ate bread to the full, for you've brought us out into this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. I mean, they were desperate. We're going to die. You ever been away from food and have no source of food? He let them be hungry. But you say, yes, but then he fed them with manna. And that's what it says in verse 3. He let you be hungry and fed you with manna. been listening to Downtown Bible Class with Pastor Scott Gilchrist. Please stay with us. Pastor Scott will return in just a moment with a preview of our next broadcast. Today's program was titled, God is for Us, a message from our series in the Book of Romans. If you missed a portion of the message heard on the program today or you'd like to share it with a friend, head on over to downtownbible.org. A free copy of today's entire message is available there for you to stream or download at your convenience. If you don't have a church home in the area, Pastor Scott would love to invite you to join us for our live online Sunday worship service at Southwest Bible Church. That's each Sunday morning at 8.30 and 11 a.m. You can find us live on YouTube by searching for SW Bible Live or go to swbible.org and click on Live Stream. We also broadcast the service live on the radio on True Talk 800 a.m. It's best to check the 800 AM program guide for up-to-the-minute schedule adjustments. We're thrilled to announce the publication of a new book written by Pastor Scott Gilchrist. It's called A Brief Exposition of Romans. It's a 266-page chapter-by-chapter commentary on Romans that we're sure will enhance your understanding of this critical book in the New Testament. 
The book is available online at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and most other online booksellers. But during our study of Romans, we'd like to send you a copy as a thank you for a gift of any amount to the ministry of Downtown Bible. You can find us online at downtownbible.org or by mail at P.O. Box 19191, Portland, Oregon, 97280. We'd love to put this valuable resource in your hands. Now, before we end our time today, let's go to Pastor Scott for a preview of our next broadcast. You think about Joseph being sold into slavery by his brothers. Do you think he longed for a family that was supportive? Of course he did. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. You mean to say that when he was down there then in prison, in prison for doing the right thing down in Egypt? I mean to say God's character doesn't change. David, you think he didn't long for some security? Instead, he was hiding in caves. Jeremiah, I reread the end of Jeremiah's uh, ministry, and I think about it. We we grumble if our church ministry doesn't grow as fast as we think it should, or we don't have this little privilege or that little privilege. Jeremiah, you read the end of his life. Or what about Paul? All who are in Asia have deserted me. Moses, spending 40 years shepherding God's people and not going to be able to go into... Do you think a day went by that he didn't think about getting into the promised land during those 40 years? I don't think so. I want you to know that I was testing you to see what was in your heart. I wanted you to learn to hold on to me and hold on to my word. Join us again next time as we continue our series through the book of Romans. Pastor Scott brings part four of the message titled, God is for us. Until then, may the grace of the Lord Jesus be with you. 